0: Welcome to Bell Curve with Mary Scott,
1: Rachel, and Liz, three friends, three Southern Bells, joining you, smart women, to discuss life, work, relationships, business,
2: everything from the nerdy to the normal, the practical to
1: the philosophical, the head to the heart. Thanks for joining us as we observe, analyze, and often deviate from the standard.
0: Hello bell curve listeners, this is our Ask Us Anything show that we do once a month at the end of the month. And the format is just a, a little, little shorter. We we try to cover a topic of, of interest, but we just kind of take a break from the longer shows and give you something that might be helpful to you in your life in a shorter format. So our question today came from listener Vicki, and she writes in that she is going through the time of life when she is helping her aging parents to age gracefully. And there are lots of things going on. She describes Describes a lot of different challenges with her parents and asks if we would consider doing a show on aging in America and what. Things that we might do to help our parents age well. On today's show, we don't have uh, an answer for all of that. And Vicky, I, I can tell you that that's a very, very long answer. And there's tons of things to think about. Uh, everything from some of the basics, which is what I'm going to talk about today, to special needs tr- trust and Medicaid and Medicare and uh, long-term care insurance and whether or not you're going to stay in your home or try to age in a um, in a assisted living facility. And just a lot of things to think about uh, along those lines. But I wanted to speak today about a subject that most any lawyer would be able to talk about with some expertise. And that those are the basic documents that anybody should should have in their repertoire and their in their strong box at home in their desk. And not only are these really helpful, and and I would say that for a lot of people, if you have these basic documents, you're seventy five percent of what you need, whether you're aging, or whether you're at the stage of life that Rachel and I are at with young children, or even the stage of life that Liz is at, married with no kids. Uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, a will, a living will, a health care power of attorney, and a power of attorney for your business affairs. But first, I have to give a little disclaimer because whenever lawyers talk uh, in media like this or anywhere, there's a disclaimer required. So I just want to say to everyone, this is intended for general information purposes, and it doesn't constitute legal advice. And our responses to Vicki or anybody that is uh, writing in about this, um, these are responses to inquiries, um, and they don't constitute legal advice. And we're not trying to create or imply the existence of an attorney-client relationship, because I'm an attorney. So with that said, I'm here today with Rachel and Liz, and we're going to try to I'm just going to cover this uh, in a very basic way. So let me just ask this question first. Have y'all addressed this in your families, ladies? We have,
2: but I have to tell you, I mean, we've been married almost 15 years now, and some of these things just trickled along later than they should have. So I, you know, I really relate to anybody who might be saying, there's some grown up documents I need to have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as you said, as, um, Folks that are married but don't have kids yet, we have we're listed as as each other's beneficiaries, and we have life insurance and that kind of thing set up. And life insurance is something I think is incredibly important. I know you're going to touch on that, but we don't have the living will piece, and that's something that I want to learn more about because I I do think that's something we need to get taken care of sooner rather than later.
0: Well, whether you're aging or whether you're at the stage of life that um, that any of us are. you know, not with aging parents. The, the will is important because, as you know, it's your wishes. It explains where you want your wealth to go. And intestacy, and, and I think there's a tendency to think that, oh, the intestacy laws of my state will take care of things. I just want things to go to my children or, you know, to my next of kin. And intestacy is not the way you want your estate to pass. It's just not. It almost always results in problems. And it's, and it's, not it's a disservice to your relatives who have to take care of your estate after you're gone. So even if your estate uh, is small, even if you're newly married, even if you don't have even if you don't have a, have accumulated a lot of wealth yet, I would strongly recommend that you that you have a will. And and everybody kind of knows that. I mean, will is something that's pretty much in the vernacular. And and wills don't have to be complicated. And the other thing that a lot of people don't know, and and Liz, this would be important for people that are in your phase of life, um, a will can be written early on that contemplates afterborn children. And what I mean by that is that a will can be written when you don't have children that contemplates afterborn children. So that will can persist a little while. Now, usually when the children start to come along and you want to contemplate who would be the trustee of a trust um who would take care of their you know and if they have any special needs who would be their guardian you know you do want to have one that's probably a little more involved but you can do a will when you're when you're still for example I've done a, a will when I was still in the military for you know for couples that are expecting you know, it's it's not uncommon, and that will would persist for a little while, um, and certainly it's something that you want to take out and look at uh, every now and then, but it would it would persist for a little while. So that's a will. The next thing that I strongly recommend for anyone to have is a health care power of attorney, and those get often confused with the living will. They're not the same as a living will. This isn't an end of life decision. This is a decision when you might be disabled, might be unconscious for some reason, might be in a coma, might be, might not be in a position to make healthcare decisions for yourself. But it stops short of it's an it's an end of life decision. Uh, living wills are again relatively easy to do. They usually, if you're kind of taking care of your will, most attorneys will also take care of your living will uh, of your healthcare power of attorney. Excuse me. Now, a living will is what people are more familiar with now. And a lot of times when you go into the hospital, they will have that as part of the documentation. For example, if you're getting a surgery or something like that, they will ask you to to do one and and there'll be a a form at the hospital. But living wills, again, really speak to what you would want to happen in an an end of life situation, Um, in a situation where it's it's unlikely that um, you could be revived or a loved one could be revived. A living will explains what you would want to happen. And finally, a, a power of attorney for your business affairs. Y'all, this is particularly important in the aging America context. S- none of these documents can be completed if any kind of dementia, well, I shouldn't say any kind of dementia, but once dementia sets in, um it it, it gets extremely hard to to execute any of these. There's, there's different requirements because obviously a person has to be in their right mind to be able to execute any of these legal documents. So once a person has had a diagnosis of dementia, extremely hard to do any of these documents. So let me just say it this way. Um, these are the kind of four documents that you need. And as a business affairs power, power of attorney lets your designee handle your business affairs for you. So think banking, your credit card, and those can get a little dicey because sometimes different organizations financial organizations will want their own you know and that gets awfully tricky but if you have one and you really need it then usually you can you know you can if especially if you're dealing with a bank that knows you then it will it'll all work out just fine but get these things done and especially get these things done with aging parents but if you're even if you're younger even if you don't have children yet these are really important documents to have so one question that i often get in this situation is well where do i get one I don't like the online forms. It's you can go to places like LegalZoom and 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 probably do one online that would work for you. Very affordable. That's a very affordable option. And I suppose if you don't have a better option, paying for one at you know the, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with you know any of these online things. But but it's but I. I the, the thing about going to a local attorney and getting these documents done is it offers you an opportunity to form a relationship with a local attorney. And a relationship with a local attorney is extremely valuable. And this is an opportunity for you to form one. And you never know when a relationship with an attorney is going to be helpful. So let's say you're, you know, in a real estate deal or, you know, you have some consumer question, you know, or you've your identity has been stolen. And, you know, there's just a, just a zillion things that can happen where you where you really do need to have a relationship with an attorney that's pre-existing, and that will really cut down on a lot of the problems. So getting these documents done through a local attorney, I think, is your best bet. Now, if you are an aging American, um, like Vicki's parents, then I would strongly suggest going to an attorney that is a certified elder law attorney or, you know, has really practiced in the elder law field. Because there are other, other considerations too. So I think with that, I want to turn it over to y'all. And what questions do you have about this, Rachel and Liz?
2: Sure. Mary Scott, for someone who says, "All right, I'm not going to do legal Zoom. I'll go find an attorney." How much should they think about paying? What you know, talk to us about some of those practicalities?
0: Mm-hmm. And I and and let me say it is a cost, uh, and and they and to go to a local attorney and get these done sometimes isn't cheap. You know, some attorneys will do them pretty inexpensively, but I think you can anticipate spending anywhere from a couple of hundred dollars to if it's a fairly simple, straightforward, you know, set of documents, maybe one or two thousand. Now, some people will say, well, that's just not attainable for me. Well, back up a second. The, the way to think about it is m- maybe I don't have that in my budget this year, but let's say in your house you had some hidden problem. Somebody t- told you that you're getting water in your house and it's a it's a hidden problem. Nobody sees it. It's not something you look at every day, but in at some point it's going to cause your house to sink. So you say to yourself, okay, well, I can't fix it right now because that's a, Foundational issue, and they tell me it's going to cost twenty five hundred dollars or more. You put that in your budget, and you deal with that in a year that you can maybe save up a little bit. Um, you know what John and I did years ago when when we decided to—I I didn't want to do this for myself. I wanted to go to an attorney and do this for myself. We put it in the next year's budget, and then we knew that we were. It in that year and we planned for it so I think for for those of our listeners that might say oh, I can uh, I don't have an extra fifteen hundred dollars right now well no but you you could plan to have that next year and so make that a next year's priority
2: I think another hurdle that people face I know we did is okay we need to figure out if we passed away where would our children go and then all these emotional big questions start coming up and so you can talk and talk and talk and go in circles and then you just say all right we'll deal with this later and then a year goes by and you haven't written down who's going to take care of your child so you know how would you recommend folks engage in those Mm -hmm. conversations with aging parents hard topics or with their spouse when it comes to some emotional stuff that might come with it
0: so this is especially important it's it's important for anyone especially you know with families, because you just never know what's going to happen. And I'm speaking about young children. But when you have aging parents, things can go south in a hurry. So I really would suggest that you kind of handle it this way. Mom and dad, have you made or thought about talking to an attorney about your your will, your living will, your, your health care power of attorney, that sort of thing? Mom and dad will might say, well, no, or well, we may be, but... I would I would ask them, maybe even help them make an appointment and and trust that once you can get them to the lawyer, the lawyer is going to you're not the expert. I mean, I'm I'm not the expert. My goodness, I'm a lawyer, but this is not my area of practice. So, I'm not going to tell my parents how to do, you know, a Medicaid set aside plan. I'm not going to tell my you know, a spend down plan. And I'm not going to tell my parents how to do a, um, a special needs trust. I'm not going to advise my parents on, on uh, you know, insurance and that sort of thing. What I'm going to do, it, my part is going to be, hey, I love you and I, I want you to age the way you want. So the only piece I'm going to take on is just asking them, have you made that appointment? Have you gone? Is it taken care of? And what you what you can expect is that if they go to a certified elder law attorney, it will get taken care of. Those people go through essentially another bar exam. And once they get in the door, there's a set of questions that are asked. And there's a sort of pathway that they that they will get on um, and they will and things will get taken care of. So I would suggest that maybe not trying to delve into all these subjects and learn all this yourself but let your piece in the continuum be mom and dad you you really got to go see somebody you really got to go see a certified elder law attorney uh and and they will take care of the rest
1: what's the first piece that you would suggest say new parents to to get in place
0: a will. Because within the will, you'll be able to designate a guardian for your minor children. Uh, you can do a simple minor trust so that the money gets held for them until they're, um, I think, 21 is the, is the minor trust um, age. You know, you can, you can get more complicated with these things, and certainly people do, especially when there's a lot of wealth at stake. But... For most of us, middle-income families, you know, just a a straight-up simple will um, that addresses whom you would want to be the guardians of your children and whom you would want to handle any trust that's set up for them. Now, that's kind of the basic document that, uh, that that a young family needs. Well, this has been a great question from Vicky, and while we weren't able to delve into it d- too deeply, we do hope that those of you out there that are listening will, you know, this will spark a conversation maybe with mom and dad that you've been putting off or get you to think about your own situation and what documents you may need to, to have in your, um, in your legal repertoire. So use the opportunity, again, use the opportunity to form a relationship with a local lawyer. You never know when that's going to come in handy. You can connect with Bell Kerr. Cur- on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest at Bell Curve Pod. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download your podcast. Please leave us a review, it helps. And one more thing on November the 5th, we have something special coming up for you. Liz, tell them all about it. On November 5th,
1: we are going to be discussing our latest Bell Curve book club pick, The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin. Now, you can find a link to purchase the book on our website, bellcurvepodcast.com, or just look it up on Amazon or go to your library and find it. It's about her year-long experiment to discover how to create true happiness. She draws on cutting-edge science, just like any good Bell Curve lady, classical philosophy and real-world examples, and delivers an engaging eminently relatable chronicle of that transformation i'm so excited about uh this conversation that we're going to be having on it and and hope to that you'll be able to join us now whether or not you're able to read the book before november 5th doesn't matter we're going to be covering the really actionable and engaging parts of it uh, whether or not you read the book hope you'll join us